Uh, Kim, I'm so excited to talk to you. I read this article. No, I'm that so excited to talk to you. <laughs> we are so excited to talk to one another today. I mean, I'm slightly more excited to talk to you, though. Okay, good. it's not a competition. <laughs> it's okay, not it at is. all. A co- <laughs> it is. Everything's a competition. I read this. I read this article that when Chris Pat was filming Guardians of the Galaxy and he had to do like the action sequence scenes with like guns that he would automatically when he would go to shoot somebody and obviously they put in the cgi explosions and everything afterwards he would shoot and he would go pew 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 (laughs) and that they had to stop shooting and say you please don't do that because not only we can see your mouth moving saying pew pew we can see you and we can hear you and it's not going to work nobody and and he and apparently he said something along the lines of how excited he was just like i'm just so excited and it's a natural reaction from like childhood and and doing this movie and it's such a dream of mine so from his dream to my dream to be talking about this with you today even though we're not talking about guardians of the galaxy or maybe we are i don't know Mm, i'm not but good i'm not (laughs) <laughs> Except for is that fun little antidote. <laughs> is there time traveling? I don't know. Intergalactic. Like, it, this is where we would need a scientist to come in and clarify what is time travel. Because this is not a science podcast and we don't know what time travel means per se. Right. But we, but we'll get into that. But um, in all fairness to Chris Pratt, when I do improv, mm-hmm. I have been known to pull out the old improv gun and literally say, Bang. Instead of just pretending to physically shoot the gun, you know, like jerk the gun or whatever. <laughs> you don't pull like this is this is on topic. You don't pull a Linda Hamilton with the you're just like bang. Is what kind you know, of bang is it? Is it like a big one or the same um, every time? It depends on the context, I suppose. I've definitely done bang, you know what I mean? But Oh, that sounded serious. So, Chris Pratt, I understand where you're coming from. I probably would have done the same thing if I also had to shoot a CGI gun. uh, And I feel like it's kind of like Chris Pratt-ish because it's like approachable and funny and it's not scary. Like the bang you just did was – I'd be scared if that was coming at me. But if someone's like, pew, 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 I'd be like, oh, you're also excited to be here, I see. (laughs) It's a dream of yours. <laughs> it is my dream. My other dream is w- to one day be young and hip again. But you know what? That will never happen. However, I have good news. I'm inches away from being slightly hip. So I, Michelle knows that Michelle is the music aficionado of the two of us. I am not. <laughs> Wait a lot of my mu- <laughs> One of our other special guests who is like... Puts Questlove to shame. Sorry, Ooh, Questlove. Well, he's very good. He's, you'll catch him in a couple weeks, but I'd, I, I, that's very. I just won't even so show up you. for that episode. I won't even show up for that episode. <laughs> Y'all don't even need me. But like, and my music taste, like, basically in, is things that w- came out originally on tape or CD. Ooh. That's my. Mu- that's that. how old. That's how old my music taste is. <laughs> I don't know if that's old. I mean, I used to get. I'm not going to lie. I used to get uh, mixtapes from some boyfriends and I some would have loved to have gotten a mixtape. I yeah. think, okay, one guy made me a mix CD. I won't mm. say who. <laughs> but I feel like that's not enough 
for my lifetime. Why did I only get one mix CD? I mean, I guess better to have gotten a mix CD than to have lost or whatever. Uh, well, wait, was it good? <laughs> better to better to have got to a- <laughs> better to have got <laughs> better to have got one mix CD than none at all. And to have lost than to have never got one at all, right? I suppose. But like, what the hell? How come I only got one mix CD or tape in my life? I'm kind of angry about that. But that's besides the point because I've, the good news that I have is that I've discovered a new band that I really like called the 1975. Yes. And they're probably not a new band. In fact, when I Googled them, they were formed in 2002. (laughs) So... So <laughs> you didn't see my face when you said new band and I and I you guys I did know she was gonna say the nineteen seventy-five and I was like, I'm just gonna let her go with that. Just go with it's it. It's new to me. It's new to me, <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> now we're both crying laughing so hard. I'm so sorry. This must be so annoying to listen to. However, new band to me, the nineteen seventy-five. <laughs> and they have a killer jam. All right. Continue, continue, killer jam. <laughs> they have a <laughs> they have a killer jam. Why are we having the laughing fits right now? Okay, pull it together, Kim. They have a killer jam called "If You're Too Shy," and I love it. I feel like I heard I heard the song on the radio because that's how old I am as well. I literally heard it on public radio, K K Rock uh, for those in LA. 106.7 and i was like is this an old song <clears throat> and then you know and then of course the radio dj comes on and is like new music from 1975 <laughs> and i was like what i'm confused new music from 1975 what does that mean and then i realized oh that's a that's- band name <laughs> There's another band that's called Death from Above 1979, and so that would be equally confusing if they played some tracks back-to-back. You'd be like, what, what? is this new oh. music from the 70s? I'm, I don't understand. Yikes. Put on some Oingo Boingo for me, <laughs> and then I will understand. But <laughs> I love 80s music. I love 90s music. And this song feels like it would, it feels so 80s and 90s to me. There's like a saxophone, uh, um, what do you call it? A saxophone uh, solo uh, for the bridge. It is so good. And I've been obsessively listening to a song on repeat. And I am really into this. I'm really, really into this band. And I, and I'm very proud of myself that I finally have found a new band that was not formed in the 70s and or 80s. Uh, 2002, but they, whatever. But I think they're like a young group of guys, um, at least I believe. They uh, look young. And, and so maybe they're on that hipster train. Maybe they do have a tape out of their music. And you could check out, which I always think is funny. Like when you remember back when we used to go to live shows, but I um, would always crack up when I would see bands hawking their tapes because tape, the tape is something I appreciate because I love them when I was younger. And that's how I bought a lot of music when I was very young, but I, it's not a format I would necessarily go back to as a CD. Sure. But probably not a tape. I don't think I would actively buy a tape. Remember how annoying tapes and CDs were? Because you, you know what I mean? Once you got started, you were in it. 
you know what I mean? For a tape. And then, and then you have to play that fancy, that dance of getting the rewind or fast forward perfect so that you could get to whatever song you wanted to. And of course you always went too far or you didn't go far enough. And anyway, I've just bored everybody, all the kids, uh, (laughs) under 20 years old who don't understand what I'm talking about. They know, they know, um, they've seen stranger things. They probably know a thing or two. I know that, um, on our last episode, the lovely Greg Smith talked about blockbuster. I think he, he did a, little mention of blockbuster and i think it's true you know tapes are vhs or music tapes are long forgotten um unless there's some like cool hipster band trying to bring it back but i remember the days of watching a vhs movie and having to rewind the tape to watch it from the beginning it's nothing like now is the ease of streaming which i did a lot this week in preparation for this uh Ooh, this chat today so i'm excited like i said I'm i can't very wait. excited um so everybody as you know because you know how to read and you probably read before you hit play on this episode we are talking about time travel today and i, I mean for me i think i would love to time travel i think that would if i could not affect time i don't know It feels like too much of a burden to be able to affect time. But if I could go back and just be an observer, I would love to do that. And I often think, I know I've said this already three times, but I would love to go to the 80s. That decade just seems absolutely redonkulous. And I would love to like have witnessed that in real time. But how about you? Is there a decade or an era that you wish you could go back to and be an observer? Oh, and just be an observer. Uh, Well, the 80s, um, I was young during the 80s and loved it. Like there's some I look, some things I look back on the 80s and cringe. And sometimes I look back and go, oh, those were the days, man. Those were so great. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'd go, I'd go farther back. I'd go like, if I could just be an observer, uh, I I would definitely want to like tap into different like art genres and yeah. experience what it was like. I don't know if like Van Gogh was around or Monet or something very cool like that where you could see people working in who are who we look now on and think are geniuses and and are wonderful and brilliant and so uh, you realize oh time. well like, you if probably I, realize that they're <laughs> bozo right. Like oh, dang. I like that you that and <laughs> yes they're bozos. Never we've talked about never meet your idols, so maybe that wouldn't go well. But again, I'm just an observer. But I True. there's I'm sure we'll talk about it. I think there's a level of for me like what if you get stuck? The 80s wouldn't be so bad. You'd be like oh it's not terrible. Um, yeah, I still got Coca Cola. Got right. you know got but some rad no, tunes. There's no penicillin. Things aren't looking that great after that uh, if you, you know, hit the 1920s, which I think would be very cool True. to be in like a different time like that, like the 20s or the 30s and and see what – just see what it was like. Oh. Yeah, I would definitely time travel. I would definitely time travel. We've got – I think we've got – we've Michelle and I have already said to each other about 30 times this week, oh my god, we can't wait to talk about time travel. So I think we might as well just get – Cut to the chase and let's get into our episode, shall we? Yes, I think that is. Let's travel into the beginning of this episode. Pew, 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 pew. Oh, gosh. 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 Oh,
Um, time travel scary. That mm. is the thing that I think everybody should walk away with is time travel is super scary. I also feel like people should walk away with, you know, that we have such good advice for people when it comes to villains, sharks, now time travel. I feel like in my experience, if you're time traveling and you're doing it solely on the basis of greed, it generally doesn't work out for you. I hope. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you're trying to like work the system, the butterfly Mm -hmm. effect becomes so massive that it generally doesn't work out in your favor. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like not checking to see if there's a larger shark than the one that you killed. Ooh, callback to Shark Week <laughs> call episode. Back. Or if you didn't kill the villain with the bad hairdo, that's on you. <laughs> wow, we're, we've come full circle, everybody. We've come full circle, but that's just a little life advice. Should anybody be tinkering with their time travel machine at the moment? If you if- come across a time travel machine, please, for the love of God, realize that you have a great responsibility. And with you great do. responsibility comes – wait, 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 what? Great, great power. Oh, God. I keep, I keep screwing up these phrases. With great power comes great responsibility. And time travel is, a, I think, one of the greatest powers. Other than, like, instant, instantly, like, trans, like, transportating yourself, right? I think that's, I think that's the thing I would like to do. Anyway, can I talk real quick about Palm Springs on Netflix, right? Uh, I hope that you would. It's on my list of movies that uh, we were going to talk about today. So absolutely, please talk about Palm Springs. We won't give anything away, but I feel like we have to do an obligatory shout out because it is a new movie. I love Andy Samberg. I think he's super funny. I really loved... because I literally went in knowing nothing, not a oh, thing, good. not a thing. I remember seeing maybe a poster for it. So I, I recognized like them in a pool and I was like, oh man, is this going to be some dumb movie? And then I was like, oh my God, it's a time travel movie. That's How all I'll say. Is it is, it is a time travel movie. It's, um, it, it's got, a, I think it has, a, it has a lot of funny moments. It has a lot of heart and the reason we don't want to tell you anything is because I, at least in watching it, I didn't predict that it was what I thought. I knew a little bit about it going in. I wish I had known known absolutely nothing. And it does it, it does have some elements that I found for me surprising. So yes, uh, great okay. time travel in a new movie, two thousand twenty. Yes, I. Time travel. We have slowly discovered that there are uh, approximately mm, a shit ton of uh, time travel everything. And so <laughs> approximately. Approximately. And uh, I'm very excited. I don't know. Do you want to go first in dropping what your who your favorite fictional crush is from a time travel piece? Uh, sure. I think that there's a lot of ground to cover when it comes to time travel. I guess there's a pun in there somewhat <laughs> intended. But I think that there's different types of time travel. There's yes types of tra- time travel where you can go back to a different year or a different a different time in your life and you just you backwards or forwards. So there's, 
the jumping of to another year, let's say. Then there's also space travel, which is very much like wrinkle in time, maybe even bending time a little bit. But like once you go into space and and we'll explore space in the future, <laughs> literally. <laughs> We will on this podcast. We'll talk about How many about times space. are we going to work in time puns? Yeah. <laughs> or time, time. Meanwhile, somebody just logged off our podcast. I'm so sick Bye. of these time puns. But there's space travel, which I, I do. I did watch some very interesting interviews uh, with Neil deGrasse Tyson so he could explain Ooh. space travel to me as far as time and time and the ti- space time continuum and four dimensions and all of that. But when you go in time, that it, that it bends time or but we'll get into that further when we talk about space. And then there's the idea of repeating a said time again, where you're caught mm-hmm. in this loop. Loop, yeah. You're caught in a loop, and you're you're replaying it over and over again. So, speaking of which, uh, don't think this is a surprise to anyone necessarily. Don't think it's a surprise to Kim, but I feel that the movie. Groundhog Day, 1993 Groundhog Day, is one of the standards for just that, repeating the same day over Mm -hmm. and over. I'd love for us to talk a little bit about that. A huge Bill Murray fan, I think he's also this like anti-hero, or I know we've talked about villains and heroes, and I think that he has this these characteristics that make him watchable but not likable, which we've seen him do in various other movies. But Groundhog Day, I think, has really influenced how culturally we talk about repeating the same. Oh, it's a real, it's a real Groundhog Day, or why do I feel this is gra- like, oh, mm-hmm. it's, it's Groundhog Day. We're just doing the same thing again and again. So that that hit at the top of of my list, Ooh. but. Uh, and I have a couple other ones I will talk about, but I love that idea of of learning something as you repeat the day over and over. At the top of my list, my my number one time travel crush. Ooh, drum roll. Is Christopher Lloyd's Doc Brown in yes! all of the Back to Future Back to the Future of movies. Course, of course. Uh, I think we're going to have a lot of overlap. This is an overlap episode because he's on my list too. Is he your number one? Um, or you? I don't think you share? know. I think you know. If uh, 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 we'll come back, but uh, but but I was a little worried that if I picked Doc Brown, it would be it would be too obvious. But I watched you guys. I watched nope. a lot of movies uh, to to see if there was. There were other elements. There's definitely other elements and other characters from time travel movies that I love. I would say that I was looking for more women that do time travel. And so Mm. I I found that was hard to find. Uh, Rachel McAdams has been in three different time travel movies, but never travels time. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? She's like, I'm always the person adjacent to the time traveler. What a letdown. Like, what a letdown. Talk about typecasting. That's very specific typecasting. I think. Was it a time traveler's wife and about time? Mm -hmm. What's the other one? You said there was another one? Oh, yeah. There was. Now I'm blanking on the third one. But she's been in three different movies and doesn't time travel at all. Time traveler's wife, about time. And, oh, what's the third one that I was. Oh, uh, Midnight in Paris. 
which we won't spend too much time talking about Midnight in Paris. It is a Woody Allen film. We are not advocating for him or condoning anything about Woody Allen, but uh, Midnight in Paris, as far as the characters in the movie are interesting and there's a time travel element it came out in 2011, so I don't know if anybody has has not seen it. Uh, I would say I found it interesting from an art perspective, and it has, stars Owen Wilson and Rachel McAdams, and he does an element of, spoiler alert, time travel. So, uh, But she does not. <laughs> she actually, her character, her character is actually awful. It's an awful, oh, not no. kind person. So you don't necessarily feel bad for her that she does not time travel. Thank but God she three. doesn't time travel. <laughs> you don't want a bad person time traveling, do you? You want the Doc Browns of the world. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that, that going through this, I'm watching different movies. There were definitely characters that I like. Uh, Bill Nye, who plays the dad in the other Rachel McAdams non time traveling <laughs> movie. <laughs> He's very sweet in that movie. In fact, I think that's one of the. I think that's a very cute rom com about time. What I a love very, that very movie. cute rom com. I feel like you could watch that movie now, which I believe it's on Netflix. Right, it's on Netflix, and oh, I, uh, I remember seeing it in the theater, and it it hits hits sweetly every time. I think that there is an element within the movie that really speaks to how we as people live our life in relation to time. And I don't know about you, but even though we're in quarantine, I, there's this feeling that time can pass very quickly. And oh, with technology and information being so readily available all the time, can feel like a year has gone by so quickly. And where did the time go? And where in the movie the about... Go? Exactly. In the movie About Time, which came out in 2013, they really focus on traveling back in time. Uh, There is no said time machine, but what you would do if you had the opportunity to try things over or change the decisions you make or the reactions two things. And Bill Nye plays the father. He gives, Kim remembers, he gives this really lovely speech um, during the during the movie. And it still, it gets me emo when I mm-hmm. see it, even though I've, I've seen this movie more than once. But that's, that's a great movie. It's a shame that they never offered Rachel McAdams to time travel at all in that movie. She's like, from now on, if you want me in time travel... My ass is time traveling, okay? I am not time traveler adjacent anymore. My ass will be traveling to and fro through time. Uh, Speaking of to and fro through time, I also watched recent. Oh, I watched Terminator. Anybody can be upset about that. Terminator on my list. No. I had never seen Terminator until. Three days ago, I had never seen what? any of that. I still, I only watched the first one because, obviously, I that's ran out of one. enough time. But I wanted the. You said nostalgia. That's a very a rem- the very nineteen eighties movie. Still holds uh, up very well, though. Still holds up and is still really interesting. And I wanted to see it from the beginning. And had we had months to prepare, I I'd probably be able to watch all the Terminator movies and and report back. But I did watch that, and I did watch um, 
Looper from 2012, which stars uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and who I love. love, And he actually made, he tied at second place. uh, His character's named Joe and he's, I won't spoil it for you in case you want to watch it. I actually was, was really entertained by this movie. Surprisingly. So it has uh, Bruce Willis, his, what time travel movie is this for him? His second one. Uh, and Bruce Willis, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Emily Blunt. And I actually liked the character of Joe that Joseph Gordon-Levitt played. And and he's an assassin and his future self comes back in time to tell him because yes. he has to kill himself. And, and, and so he has to make this decision and that's the crux of the problem. But, uh, directed by Ryan Johnson, who you guys know from Knives Out, and uh, who what's not to like about Joseph Gordon-Levitt? His the facial prosthetics that they put on him and what I think are contacts were slightly distracting for me, but it <laughs> didn't, didn't take away from how much I liked his character. Oh, and tied for that second spot is a very sweet Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly from. Mm. Preferably the first and the third movie, uh, not the second. But if I'm going to go full back to the future, uh, I would absolutely say Doc Brown, hands down, number one fictional crush in a time travel movie. I I am with you. We are on the exact same page. I kind of dove into a rabbit hole going down the Back to the Future rabbit hole and i've discovered things that have me shook and i and now that we kind of we know what i mean i'll just come right out and say it because we we don't we don't need to wait till the second half to hear me go surprise it's back to the future but for me for sure my top two fictional crushes are back to the future of course the first one doc brown and marty mcfly In fact, I would say that movie is chock full of fantastic characters that are super funny. Crispin Glover's George McFly is the most pathetic but great character arc, I think, of a man who goes from being literally kicked in the butt because he's wearing a kick me sign to punching out Biff. Spoiler alert if you have not seen uh, Back to the Future. However, I did meet one woman literally Mm. four months ago who never seen Back to the Future, any of them. Which I feel like Back to the Future sets a, a standard for time travel movies. I, oh, I was it's, I, Everything's measured against Back to the Future. I think it has so many cool elements, and I'm excited to hear your facts about the movie and, and – uh, and, and more about your characters, but in watching it, I, re- I remember if we're talking about nostalgia and, and going back, I, I think that's one of the elements that I like in Midnight in Paris, this idea that the past is, is like of it going this golden age of thinking that eh, something in the past is so much more lovely than what you're living in the present, which <laughs> rings true sometimes right now, <laughs> 2020. <laughs> But I think that for me, I I remember going to the movie theater and seeing the third movie as a kid, seeing it with my family. And it was like a big outing that we did. We were going to the movies and the whole idea of going and sitting down to this movie that had, we'd already seen obviously the first two movies, but to see that third one and all the 
the hype that came up with it and how I just remember being excited and what an event. And it was a movie that I recall being so excited seeing when it came out in the movie theater and then watching it recently within the past couple weeks, the, they all, all, all of them held the same feelings that I had as a kid watching those same scenes, hearing some of those famous lines that we still say today. It, it held, it held up for me to the point that it was really hard for me to, I hate to say this, but it was hard for me to watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which is a movie I recall. Oh my God. Yes. Same for me. I wish I had watched them separately. Years ago, I was traveling with a friend of mine and we were somewhere and we ended up watching Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which I hadn't seen since it came out in, what was that, 89. And I remember being thinking it was funny and it was cool and 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 hoping that they would pass their test. And then after watching all of these other movies from Palm Springs to all the Back to the Futures to Terminator, it was very hard for me. It hit different. It, yes, it does. It, it, it really hit different. And so I know they have the third installment of the Bill and Ted series coming out, I think in August or this month or August or September of 2020. And, and and hopefully it's fun and lighthearted and and cool, which is what I would expect. But I feel that as though I need to distance myself very further away from Back to the Future so that it doesn't influence or prompt any negative feelings about what I think of the Bill and Ted's franchise. I, you know, Napoleon was a dictator. There's a slightly problematic calling him a really great leader when the little brother loses him. And I don't know that there's enough character development with Bill and Ted where in today's world, I felt bad for them or that I Mm -hmm. felt any kind of affinity to want them to succeed. Mm -hmm. And they just kind of did versus there's something very magical in the back to the future franchise between for me, the friendship between doc and and Marty Mm -hmm. and that you want them so badly to do what they came to accomplish, whether it's traveling from 1955 to 1985 or to help, their family in 2015 it held true for all three of those movies and i think that i picked doc because he's 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 quirky and he's a he's a bit of an outsider but he's smart and he's dedicated and i believe it's in the third movie you can correct me but in the third movie he reads out loud a letter to marty that he his past self from the West has written to his 1955 self, or he's written it to Marty, I think. And he talks about, thank you so much for your friendship and for always standing by me and and being such a good pal. And it, it's so articulate and heartfelt and sweet that I, I got a slightly teary hearing him read that it was a very cute moment of the friendship between them and how he expresses it was so lovely so i'm all in on that entire franchise and i couldn't see anybody else playing other than christopher lloyd playing that role and he does it so well and he's someone you want to know because of it i think well here's the craziest part 
This is the rabbit hole I dove into. I think I know what you're going to say, and I'm so excited to tell him. Oh, my God. Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox almost didn't play either of those roles. Mm-hmm. Christopher Lloyd was on the verge of moving back to New York because he was like, screw it. I want to go back to my roots, theater. And this uh, this script just came across to him and he was like, eh, why not? And that is why we have the Doc Brown that we know of. And then the thing that literally made me lose sleep. <laughs> I truly did lose sleep. I was going to sleep being like, how, what? <laughs> Guys, this is true. There is an alternate universe where Michael J. Fox didn't play Marty McFly. And to a point where they spent six weeks shooting with an entirely different actor named Eric Stoltz, who I have some opinions about in a hot second. Oh, I'm excited to hear your opinions on him, too. Threw $4 million down the drain from that six weeks of shooting with Eric Stoltz and then fired him. Because Robert Zemeckis, how many times am I going to bring up a Robert Zemeckis uh, film <laughs> as my favorite f- uh, crush fiction, you know, fictional crush? I don't know. I'm always, I guess I'm a Robert this, Zemeckis uh, freak. I'm a freak for Robert Zemeckis. But this was his, he really wanted to make this movie. He really wanted to make was, Back yeah. to the Future. And it got rejected so many times. 40 times. And they took it to Disney, and Disney said, yes. "You got incest in this movie," which that doesn't even hit for me. In the that's movie so funny. That's literally the now. last thing I think of when I think of Back to the Future. I remember seeing it as a kid and thinking, "Oh, that's gross," because that's his mom in the past. But I didn't have that same thought, Disney, as much as we love you, Disney. I would, yeah, I would not pull out the word incest like I, when I'm describing that movie. I wouldn't be like, "It's about a boy who falls in, you know, whose mom falls in love with him." And that's he d- not and the he movie. Doesn't, he doesn't have any feelings towards her. He's no. shocked that she's beautiful. Although that because- moment when he's like, "You're ha, ah, you're <laughs> so ha." Ah. You're <laughs> it's very funny and also like and it's, it's perfect it, Michael J. Fox for that. It's perfect. I love you know what I also heard is that when Christopher Lloyd got the script, he he was he was like, I'm done, I'm gonna go do stage work. This is not for me. And he threw the script in the trash. He threw it in the <laughs> trash, and a friend of his, she said I don't think that you should do that. I think you should just give it a chance. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But if they if they have you in mind for this role, what's the harm in going and and doing an audition and reading or talking to them about it? And the studio was concerned that he was out. They thought that they were not going to get Christopher Lloyd. So on their list was John Lithgow as Doc Brown. Brown? You know what? That would have been an interesting doc. I mean, I I don't want him. I don't want <laughs> go away, John Lithgow. I like you, but go like work you. on Third Rock from the Sun <laughs> with our little friend Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I know we love um, him. a young Joseph, very young Joseph Gordon-Levitt, baby. And then uh, John Lithgow couldn't do it because of time. He had was filming something else. He couldn't do it because of his projects. So we almost had if Christopher Lloyd friend hadn't told him to give it a give back to the future a chance we would have had jeff goldblum as doc brown 
No. Oh my God. He's too casual. Imagine him like soups cash, like his shirt unbuttoned. And he's like, he's like, great. Uh, Scott. <laughs> great. Uh, uh, life finds a way, Scott. That's what you can say. Yeah. I, and I, and it's so funny because you think of that and you think I would not at all picture anybody but Christopher Lloyd. So I'm so happy he did it. I, it I'm is- so happy. So here's the thing that has me shook. There is footage of Eric Stoltz playing Marty McFly. Wait, did you hear? Did you hear that like he went full method? Oh, he yeah. went full method actor. I don't know like, how you become like, I want to be or you know, I'm an angsty teenager or whatever <laughs> he was going for method acting. What is he thinking? So like your boy uh, uh, Bob Zemeckis was like, this is not hitting for me right here. They're doing like the first, like they knew from like the very start, they knew from like day one they started filming. They're like this Eric Stoltz character. And I was watching this interview uh, with various people who worked on the movie, Robert Zemeckis included. And people were very kind. They weren't at all berating Eric Stoltz, but I can't wait to hear your hot take. And the I think it was the the props person said he would take his clothes home at night. He would want to wear the clothes as Marty McFly. He'd wear them on set and then he'd take them say I'm going to take these home, I'm going to wear these home and then he would wear them back to set the next day. What in the world? That's like and a costume designer's <laughs> nightmare. They're like you're going to lose something. You're going to get stain on something. The continuity person's like Screw my life. Why would you do this to me? <laughs> and so he also insisted that people not call him Eric, that they call him Marty. And I want you to tell everybody about the footage, but apparently when one of the producers went to Christopher Lloyd and said, we have some bad news. We hate to tell you this. We had to, we fired Eric and we have Michael J. Fox coming in to play Marty McFly. That Christopher Lloyd apparently looked up and said, Who's Eric? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that weird guy who keeps wanting to be called Marty? Oh. Yeah. All right. So they asked him in an interview and Christopher Lloyd said, I don't actually remember saying that, but um that kind of sounds like something I might say, and I wasn't trying to be rude. He's like, I actually thought his name was Marty. <laughs> they were asking to, <laughs> he was asking to be called Marty. Christopher Lloyd thought, what a great coincidence that we got a guy named oh my God, Marty. An actor named Marty. <laughs> That's wild. Great Scott. Uh that is very funny. That's that's <laughs> super funny. I um, love it. I, I I couldn't imagine any watching any of Eric Stoltz being of of like any footage of oh, him being I had a very to. Oh, you found it. Well, you know, it's like clips. And <laughs> the problem yes. is, here's the thing. Here's the thing I'm gonna say. Yes. <laughs> You're already <laughs> laughing. here's the thing i'm gonna say i love michael j fox like outside of back to the future i love him i watched him on spin city um i'm past the family ties um family ties was out when i was was young so i knew him as 
Alex B. Keaton on Family Ties, who was like this conservative, but he had a very much like likability to him. But I, that's how I knew him before he was Marty McFly. But Eric, watching the like, you can literally only see like seven seconds of Eric Stoltz footage, and I'm like, I need to see this because talk about time travel, talk about alternate universes. There is. Another universe, another dimension, if we want to believe that the universe is infinite, there is another dimension where Eric Stoltz fully played Marty McFly, never got recast, did not get fired six weeks into shooting. Um, That's wild to me, to a point where I had to, like, stop my boyfriend and go, did you know that there was another actor? That Like, I was so shook for an entire four days when I found this found this out and the footage of eric stoltz playing marty mcfly feels so wildly wrong and does he he play it does he play it really serious according to all these interviews he played it very like you haven't seen any of the footage i haven't seen i've only seen images of him he looks they have a similar i think for anybody who doesn't know eric stoltz i've and if you saw side by side by Eric Stoltz of Eric Stoltz and Michael J. Fox, they look similar. They have a similar they do look, look to them. Mm-hmm. Eric Stoltz is a bit taller, but th- they have a similar look. But in all the, f- I only saw stills, and in the stills, he's looking very serious. It's just a different energy. You can tell, it's- and that's what they were saying in the f- filming that it was painfully obvious how awkward it was. It is like that rebel character from Breakfast Club. It's like that guy playing Marty McFly to me. It's like moody, angsty teenager instead of there. Uh, okay, here's why I love Marty McFly as a character. There, what on earth? Okay, Marty McFly is a conundrum to me because he's so wildly cool. Like he's effort effortless even like in the first five minutes he like kicks open the fence door with his foot i'm like you know what only a cool ass dude would do that only a cool ass kid would kick open a fence with his foot like he just kicks open like the the uh fence um what do you call to, it hook to thing. doc's to doc's house yeah. and plays guitar before school which is you know he could have used his hand but he didn't <laughs> he's like i'm gonna kick it open but and- then at school He's, he's like, yeah, he's like, kind of a, he straddles this weird, he's like this weird dichotomy of, cause he doesn't, he's cool, but he's not he's popular. He's not a nerd. Yeah, he's no, not No, but popular, he's not a nerd. But he's but not he's, a nerd. He's still somewhat of an outcast. He's not like this yes. popular kid, like he plays in a band and his band is kind of sucky. Um, and you don't really see what? his talent until later on, if you know what I'm talking about in the enchantment under the sea dance which is one of my <laughs> favorite scenes look marty mcfly it he walks this really weird line he's also bffs with a mad scientist what on earth is going on he skateboards he's mad scientist dude is like can you show up at 1 15 a.m at the mall in this mall parking lot and he's like yeah sure what the hell is going on i'm so here for that there's something about marty mcfly who's just like yeah so here's the thing i want to that i've been that has other than finding out that eric stoltz could have been marty mcfly forever but (laughs) uh, the other thing that's been keeping me up at night Uh is 
I watched this documentary and you probably, I don't know if you watched the same documentary. Did you watch the back in time documentary that is on Hulu? No, but now I wish I had. I watched something that was on like TV. I just actually turned it on and they gave, they had interviews with uh, Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis and they talked about it and producers and, and the guy who built the DeLorean, oh, which we can we, talk about. I think it's the same one. Maybe it's similar or the same thing. I don't know, but it, it was I, really interesting. It may have been the same. I don't know. But the one that I watched was kind of all over the place. It talked about the fandom. It talked about oh, like a no. band. Talk- yeah. Anyway, um, I wouldn't say that's the best documentary. If you want a documentary about Back to the Future, I would watch Out of Time, which is the documentary about the three actual DeLoreans that they built. DeLorean, DeLorean A, B, and C, if you really want to go down the rabbit hole. Um, I saw that at the Peterson Auto Museum in LA because my boyfriend's just nerdy enough to have found out about this event. And we rolled up and everybody brought their like nerdy DeLoreans that were souped up in the whole back to the future garb. And it was fantastic. And it's super nerd. It nerds out on the, um, what do you call it? Like the set design and the prop design and how they came up with the whole time travel DeLorean. It's fantastic. A refrigerator. It was supposed to be a fridge. Which is so weird. There's other movies like uh, in 12 Monkeys, in uh, Looper. There's time travel that you actually get into something. Because in some time travel movies, you just either stand somewhere or stand in a particular place and it happens. But I like the concept of going into something. But I am very claustrophobic, so I wouldn't want to get into anything small. And in Looper, he gets into this like small little... Uh, ball, uh, this metal ball. <laughs> That's awful. It's the whole thought of being inside <laughs> Y'all a fridge. Y'all couldn't make better technology than this ball? <laughs> this ball? This small in, metal ball? In 2044? No oh, jeez. No but I love no I AC. love the concept of of the DeLorean. I think that's why I like Doc Brown's character so much is that he's built this cool looking time machine. And you know, he literally a, says we might as well do it in style, which is yeah. fantastic. I love that. I love that. And he builds it if you look back, he built it originally, right? He built it in 1985. And then he's has to as his 1955 self, he has to figure out how to get the DeLorean running again so he can get Marty back to his current time of 1985. Then it breaks down in the second film. So he's got to fix it as they've traveled to 2015. And then his old self, he, in the third movie, has to get it working again in. 1885 with the tools he has in 1885 and then he's such a good friend that he builds another time machine in a train <laughs> oh, he doc. builds a time machine in a train and say what you will but that train m- might be even more badass than the DeLorean he builds that train just to so he can go back and meet up with his friend Marty in 1985 to say, I made it. I'm okay. Uh, my wife, now wife, is fine. And these are our two kids, Jules and Vern. But and where I think on that earth is- did he get a pl- plutonium for that train, though? 
<laughs> did, did he doesn't he talk about how he like made it? I don't know. I love I love that he went through that many steps to make sure that Marty was okay and then was a good friend to come back. He's a and good he's good guy. And he I love his story arc of his, the romance that he has in that third movie with Mary Steen mm-hmm. Virgin's Clara and oh they're so cute together that he rescues her. He's honest with her about telling her that he's can travel through time and she gets obviously upset and doesn't believe him she thinks he's lying but then he rescues her and marty throws the hoverboard and he's never even been on a hoverboard before but he takes it and (laughs) uses it to save this lady i just think that's so great he's got such a great fantastic story arc Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Crush Fictionally podcast. Right now we don't have any advertisers, but we would like to highlight a few organizations that we thought you would appreciate because we appreciate them as well. To follow up on our time travel theme, we thought that we would call out the Michael J. Fox Foundation, which you can find at michaeljfox.org. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L. JFOX.org. And you'll notice right in the top hand right corner, there is an orange button that will allow you to donate. It is great if you can give anything you can, or maybe just educate yourself on Parkinson's and the effects that it has on a lot of people. And anything you can do can help. So, again, if you're so inclined, please visit the Michael J. Fox Foundation at M I C H A E L J F O X.org. And also in the vein of offering um, our voice to charities that are doing great things around the world, we're obviously devastated by the impact of the explosion in Beirut. And we would also love to give a shout out to the Lebanese Red Cross who desperately need donations. And you can support them today, even if you have $2, $5, whatever you have, go straight to supportlrc.app. That's support, S-U-P-P-O-R-T-L-R-C dot A-P-P. And they are happily taking donations. They are going to need as many supplies and as many funds coming through as possible. This is a very um, impacted area. The port was impacted and a lot of supply chains are going to be getting cut off. So it's very important that we pour money into the local Lebanese Red Cross. So if you have any bucks to donate, again, we would love for you to throw it to the Michael J. Fox Foundation or the Lebanese Red Cross. And thank you so much for your time. Thanks, guys. I like that the fun fact that I learned is that they weren't going to originally call him Doc Brown, that he was Professor Brown, but they didn't want him to come across as, as, dodgy. This, as this nutty professor character, that he, it would be too, like, goofy. Funny. That he, he would, that he, white, crazy white hair, <laughs> <laughs> that crazy white hair didn't at all give me those vibes, or the fact that he's like, 1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> like, yeah, good thing I mean, they like, didn't call him professor because that would have been the thing that would have really scre- screamed nutty professor to me. <laughs> it just hits better. And it's, I think it's, it's <laughs> it like really, better. it's really splitting hairs, right? You're like, you can't be, you can't be nutty and weird, but you can be quirky and funny and that's okay. And I feel like he falls into that category. Also, you're more validated with doc, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, well, he's probably a doctor. 
or he's got a doctorate, one or the other. So, you know, I want you to tell me more about this whole um, Eric Stoltz situation. But in the documentary piece that I watched, that was like behind the scenes of Back to the Future, one of the executives, the Universal executives, Sid, Sid Scheinberg, I think it was, he <laughs> he was the one who uh, – originally went to Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg and said, you cannot call it Back to the Future. You need to call it Spaceman from Pluto. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) Which is such a terrible, terrible name for a movie that I don't know that anybody would have gone to see it. And I don't also, think it- what does Pluto have anything to do with this script? Was Pluto in an original draft with the refrigerator? What is happening? That he thought it, he didn't, for some reason, Sid Scheinberg didn't like the Back to the Future, even though that that's what it was called from the very first inception of the, of that Bob, Bob Gale and Robert Smekis came up with. They were like, definitely call back to the future and so robert Zemeckis didn't know what to do so he called steven spielberg and said i don't know what to do with this memo like we can't call it spaceman from pluto who would see that movie (laughs) and in a genius move and i feel like this is potentially great advice for anyone out there steven spielberg replied with a memo to sid scheinberg and said what a great joke Sid thank you so much we just love your sense of humor I'm gonna use that from now on that is genius and in an interview I think it was Robert Zemeckis who said Steven Spielberg knew that Sid was so would be too embarrassed to say that he was serious and deny it being a joke that he wouldn't that he wouldn't push the spaceman from Pluto. So if anything, you're welcome for the life advice. And wow. as confirmed, Steven Spielberg is a genius. Oh, my God. Could I not love that man any more than I already love him? <laughs> what a genius. That is a fantastic trick. My God. It's but basically it's saying you're an idiot, but not saying, but not calling them that. It's like exactly. you're a dum-dum. But <laughs> but, ne- but never saying it and never belittling them. So damn, that's good. I, I love that little fact, and I and I believe it was the same Sid Scheinberg who pushed Eric Stoltz. They had other. They had. They were thinking Johnny Depp, Ralph Macchio, John Cusack, and it was all down who to- would have been way much. Wait, I mean, look, I don't know Eric Stoltz as an actor other than Pulp Fiction. To be quite frank. He was in like a war movie back in maybe the early 90s that I recall, but I couldn't obviously tell you the name of it because I don't remember. But that's what I know him from. And I guess called fiction. Well, that's crazy that they had – you just said Johnny Depp. Okay, Mm -hmm. check. That would have been fine. Better than I think – okay, here's what I'm going to say. Speaking of speaking of uh, John Cusack, I feel like we're we're hanging out in this John Hughes world. And this is the thing that I've been – Eric Stoltz watching that footage. And again, there's maybe a total of like 10 seconds of footage that you can see online, which I find disappointing because I do. There is a very dark side of me that wants to see this bad Back to the Future. Or I shouldn't say bad, different Back to the Future. 
But I'm not going to lie. The middle school girl inside of me, when she saw alternate Marty McFly, was like, uh-oh. Hubba hubba? Hubba hubba. Interesting. Oh my god, so hubba hubba. His, they totally changed Marty from end to end. Like, even his outfit is very, like, Breakfast Club, John Hughes-esque, the Eric Stoltz outfit. And then for whatever reason, they were like, no, we need to get him in that freaking life preserver. You know, they make the joke of the life preserver vest, right? We need to get him in that. And What'd he's you do, wear- jump ship? <laughs> I love you. And he's wearing the freaking suspenders. It's a totally different vibe. And, I, and it's so funny how different things could have been if they had stuck with the version they had with Eric Stoltz. But I'm not going to lie. I saw that and I was like, damn, where's my time machine? So I could go back in time and mac on that guy. <laughs> there is. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> Michelle thinks I'm joking, but I'm not. I love, first of all, I don't think that you're joking. I just think that might go into my list of the thing, my, the favorite things that Kim has ever said to me. Um, ever <laughs> where is my time machine so i can go back to 1985 and mac on eric stoltz as marty mcfly that is what i'm gonna say and michelle knows me you know me that i'm not that kind of woman i'm not that kind of woman who sees men and goes it like I, i'm not a physical appearance person like i don't see a man and go <laughs> Sorry. Like you just said, hubba hubba, or damn, or he's fine. Like I don't do that. So for me, it is very. It's like once feel, in a blue moon that I, I see feel a man like we've and go. Probably Ooh. have said those things. We've probably said those things about Michael B. Jordan, though. Yes, but I also <laughs> am incorporating his personality. Mm. Like, I don't know anything about Eric Stoltz, but I can tell you right now, when I saw the very little footage I saw of him, I was like, um, he is so dreamy. He is so, like, he's got this, he like, air of mystery. He There's something about him. You guys got to go pause this podcast. Go Google go, Eric go Stoltz Back look, to the Future. Yes. It is the, you're not the, wrong. You're, you're not gonna find wrong. a bunch of junk videos that's like a bunch of it, and but f- just find the literal ten seconds, which are gonna be in these much longer YouTube videos that you'll find that are like five, ten minutes. They don't need to be that long. <laughs> but look at how dreamy Eric Stoltz is. Like he, the fact that he wanted to be called Mart Marty is hilarious to me because he does not look like a Marty. If anything, he looks like that guy who you went to high school with, who's like, call me Martin. Like, he doesn't I, want to go by Marty. He wants to go by Martin. He's like a mystery and he doesn't talk. Like he doesn't talk. To, he's that guy in high school that for whatever reason was like kind of hot, but you had no idea why because he never ever talked to you or talked to people in general. He he was like total outcast, but for whatever reason that made him hot. Hmm. I don't know. There's something about him. In fact, he reminded me of a kid that I went to middle school with who, oh. funny enough, popped into my mind when I was watching it. I was like, oh, he reminds me of Zach. I want to say his name is Zach O'Neill. And he's one of those kids who I had class with and he was super cute. And 
I we talked like occasionally, but he was very quiet, very to himself, and that only made him even cuter for whatever reason. Mm. And he had an air of <laughs> mystery. He did. He had an air of mystery, and he was like very. You could tell he was very thoughtful before he spoke. He wasn't one of these silly guys who just said whatever came rambling out of his mouth. Considering we were in the sixth grade, Zach O'Neill, where are you? Are you okay? I haven't been able to find you on Facebook. I've been trying to stalk you forever, but I hope you're okay wherever you are. Because I mean, we, like you, you know just gave, like, If I was Zach O'Neill, I would be fired up right now. I would be. Did so- you go to Roosevelt Middle School between the years nine? 1997 and 2000 and named Zach O'Neill because I would like to find you just to know that you're okay. I'm not trying did to sit he here look, and back on you now. Did he look this similar to – does he look similar or did he look similar in sixth grade to Eric Stoltz? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he had that – like Eric Stoltz in this footage has this like dreamy dark hair, like this like floppy – I oh my god. I can't – I can't. I'm like, really excited about how – excited you are about this i'm pretty sure that eric stoltz has never gotten this kind of attention i think he's a total mac daddy is that a good word is that is that (laughs) (laughs) i mean i'm not i'm not gonna lie you and i are friends for a reason that i in the documentary (laughs) the future that i watched they showed a lot of stills a lot of images of eric stoltz in the character as marty mcfly as they shot it in 1984 for those six weeks and i will say kim is 100 percent right <laughs> See, he's and, totally dreamy and he's dreamy but don't get me wrong i find something very captivating about michael j fox as well oh, oh it just, yes i'm gonna i'm gonna eventually talk let, about well, the you'll real talk, Marty you'll McFly. talk about that but i think that's one of the reasons one reasons one why we're friends do why we're doing this podcast you're not wrong about eric stoltz's hotness as a six-week run of Marty McFly. I find the, the the method acting, I find a little bit silly, especially for this role. Totally. But, you know, I don't know his life. I don't know him personally. Live your life, Eric Stoltz. But you've got a fan. <laughs> you got two fans. Hit me up. Hit me up. Slide into those DMs, Eric. Although, We're you on know. Crush Fictionally. So at Crush Fictionally, you can hit us up if you <laughs> feel like commenting on your level of Mac Daddiness. According to Kim. <laughs> okay, here's what I'm gonna say. Here's the last thing I'm gonna say about Eric Stoltz is <laughs> Go ahead. Tell us. Even though I'm totally I don't know what the word is, it like captivated by this idea of Eric Stoltz playing Marty McFly. I know deep down in my bones he would have been absolutely wrong for the movie and the movie would not have hit like it did with Michael J. Fox. It's just facts. Like we just we just know for facts. And here's the thing I will give also to Robert Zemeckis. I think I'm sure this guy already has so much smoke blowing up his ass from various people (laughs) who think that he I, I mean, how many times have I talked about this man? But there is a bravery that I would love to have as someone semi-adjacent um, in this industry to know when something is not working and you know and you're six weeks in, you're $4 million in the hole 
and to go back to the producer and be like, we need to, we need to fix this to do that has got to be, you've got to have balls of steel, a spine ovaries of steel to do something like that, to be like, I made a mistake. We should have waited for Michael J. Fox or figured it out. But you know, he, he even says in the documentary that you, it seems like you and I saw, I was just so excited. They gave me a parameter. They said I had to finish this movie within a particular time frame, And I just had to make this movie or else I knew it wasn't going to get made. And that to me, I think is totally falling on your sword and trying to save something, knowing that it's not right for the sake of your film, your art or whatever. I truly, I'm doing, uh, I'm tipping my hat, my proverbial hat to Robert Zemeckis for doing that because I don't think most directors or even people would be that brave, even for uh, a more minor, lower stakes situation, right? To admit like, oh my God, I've made a huge mistake and I, the, I know the only way to fix this is to recast. And I remember him saying the documentary how heartbroken he was having to give that news, not only to Eric, but to the rest of the cast, because everybody has worked so hard. Except and now for, they have to. Except for Christopher Lloyd, who's like, who's Eric? <laughs> <laughs> Who? I oh, love that. I love Marty. that story. That might be good. That is the funniest freaking thing. But it also sounds like something he would exactly. Christopher Lloyd. It sounds exactly. exactly like something he would do. But I do tip my hat to him. And there is no effing way that we could ever see Marty McFly played by anybody else other than the incomparable Michael J. Fox. And here's the thing I want to say about Michael J. Fox. I've already talked a lot about why I love Marty McFly. Yes, he's effortless effortlessly cool but yet still hangs out with old bad scientists but also really loves his family but is also kind of like yeah let's do it that that yes let's do it mentality of marty mcfly i would love to i would love to take a page out of that book i love marty mcfly i love doc brown for all these reasons however here's the last thing i'm gonna say about marty mcfly why we love why we love him is that there is just something about that energy that he mm -hmm. brings mm -hmm. to that role. And the craziest part, and I'm sure, and I'm sure anybody listening to this who's a hardcore nerd is like, y'all bitches are so late. Of course we already knew all this info. Duh. But look, whatever. Give it to me. Just let me have this. But um <laughs> Marty McFly. What, what am I talking about? Not Marty McFly. Michael J. Fox. He was working family ties from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Mm -hmm. And that was the only way they could make it work was, I think it was the same Sid guy who's crazy enough wanted to call it Spaceman from Pluto, was like, <laughs> yes, we can get Michael J. Fox, we can replace Eric Stoltz, but you need to, it needs to work around family ties. Family ties must come first. So Michael J. Fox being a freaking hero, not only on screen, but in real life, goes to set. 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. They throw him in a van, you know, scoot him off to set for Back to the Future where he would shoot from whenever he got arrived to set till 3 a.m. And then sleep for however long that he could sleep that night to a point where like a Teamster's picking him up in the morning, turning on the shower for him, you know what I mean? Like tossing him out of bed. Like what? 
this these this is crazy and he was obviously super young i think he was 22 years old when this shot but you watch him on screen and he is so captivating there's so many moments where his face says everything his again i'm going to say the you're so ha you're so ha <laughs> like that that line the fact that he's just like sitting there being like but you're so ha like it is it is the perfect comedic delivery, and that was the thing Robert Zemeckis ultimately said that mm-hmm. it came down to was Eric Stoltz did not have that comedic timing that was needed, which is really funny because I find Eric Stoltz very funny in Pulp Fiction. I feel like he's he's super funny, and as a person who really likes to analyze comedy and why things are funny versus not funny and why people find certain things funny versus not funny, um, I don't know. Maybe Eric Stoltz didn't come into his comedy uh, – mojo at that point of in his career in his life and maybe that was something he found later on but there michael j fox there's just something so special about him in this role that you it's irreplaceable he's just magnetic you love him from end to end even Mm. the reaction of uh i remember laughing so hard when he's in the car with his mom Lorraine and you know it's like they're parking the car before the enchantment under the sea dance and she's like Marty I've parked before and just his face you just have to watch the scene for his face like the way he reacts is just he's absolute perfection and you wouldn't you could never believe that this man was like living off four or five hours of sleep per night going during the day shooting family ties and then coming back and doing this other role i mean talk about a total mind funk that's me saying uh, that's my uh that's my pg version of you know what i'm trying to say but he's just so great and the the very last thing i will say is a question i will pose to you michelle mm-hmm. and you can you you don't necessarily have to answer it per se, but I want to pose this question to everybody is why isn't comedy viewed more as an art form? Because it's a total art form and it's not something that everybody has a gift for. Some people have it and I don't know why. Some people naturally have it and I don't know why. Some people have it in the way of performing. Some people have it in the way of writing. Some people have it in the way of just being their normal selves and in, you know, a normal conversation. So I often am that person who's like, why don't we give Oscars to more comedies? Why does every Oscar nomination or 80, 90% of them, why does it always have to be this heartbreaking tale with these, I don't know, maybe very horrific scenes or whatever. Yet you have these brilliant comedies that can't, that don't just happen. You know what I mean? There's a lot of thought that goes into comedy and we don't give any credence to them. And we're, they're seen like this, like lesser form of art or not even necessarily an art form, but that's crazy to me. I think it's really taken for granted as yes. far as an art form. I, I don't think that people appreciate it because they think it's one of those things that should be easy, but it's not. It's it's very challenging to find the right comedic tone and to find that person. We were talking – we've talked about this a lot I, within the podcast and the outside 
of this podcast regarding the energy that people bring. And at least when it comes to talking about Back to the Future specifically and Michael J. Fox and his friendship and the dynamic he has with Christopher Lloyd's Doc Brown, there's something different that he brings to that character that that it it's almost like this spark or this this piece that of the puzzle that brings all of them together that they can really work because I don't think that every because there's low key comedy coming from um, Lorraine as far as playing like the young mom and the the today mom and Crispin Glover and that ridiculous laugh that he has um, in the beginning of the film so everybody brings their own element to a different degree and you had to find that right person and I in this it was definitely Michael J Fox to bring that energy and as hot as we saw Eric Stoltz to be in the stills for Mac Daddy Eric Stoltz. I think that he there just wasn't that level of energy. But I agree with you. I think that comedy is a very it's a hard thing to do. It's a very hard artwork to master, and it's very underrated. People definitely take it for granted because they think it's easy, and maybe it's because. I don't know the answer to your question about why we don't recognize it more. I know you and I love to laugh and we love to joke around and we laugh so much on this podcast, but it's very, sorry (laughs) listeners. It's very, oh, they love it. Um, It's very (laughs) underrated for sure. As Marty McFly would say, whoa, heavy. (laughs) And that has been crush fictionally. You guys, I'm going to close that up on that note. It's not going to get much better than, heavy but it's not gonna get much better than heavy but i was going to say a closing line for us today oh um reminiscent of the movie to all of our listeners you can make like a tree and catch us next time perfect closing michelle i've loved talking about the past present and future with you and time travel movies. I want to give a quick shout out to some other uh, time travel movies and TV shows that didn't get, you know, our number one spot. But again, Bill and Ted's a little hard for me to watch, but it's still a fun yeah. ride. It's mm-hmm. still fun. Just throw any sort of logic out of the window. <laughs> it's great. It'll be a good time. About time, really funny rom com. As we talk, uh, as crazy as this show is, my boyfriend loves it. Quantum Leap. If anybody remembers good old Quantum Leap, that shows redonkulous, but it's got heart. I like it. It does have heart. That's a good. That's a good one. And Hot Tub Time Machine. Now that that I movie did- made me laugh out loud. <laughs> Why did I forget Hot Tub Time Machine? <laughs> Oh, I did not man. forget about Hot Tub Time Machine. I but love that, that you a said fun that. One. It's a real fun one. They did a speaking of sequels. They did a sequel to that one too, which I don't remember being as funny. But the oh. first one being speaking of John Cusack, who was almost Marty McFly, he's in Hot Tub Time Machine, which I'm not mad about. And that I'm movie is that. really really funny. <laughs> and uh, obviously, we had a uh, you know we talked briefly about Terminator. I think Terminator Two, Michelle, you need to put that on your list. I think Terminator Two is arguably the best Terminator. But hey, at me, at me. Speaking of ats, 
why don't we close out our credits? If you've enjoyed Crush Fictionally, you can follow us on social media at Crush Fictionally, both on Twitter and on Instagram. And if you ever have an idea for an episode that you want to see from us, a theme, a character theme, please slide into our DMs again at Crush Fictionally on Twitter and on Instagram. Leave a comment, DM us whatever the kids are doing attach a sticker is that what people people do they attach a sticker to a thing i don't know i'm old just i literally it- just found the 1975 so whatever what a good call back to the beginning talk about back to the future guys oh. back to the future back to the past kim you got it going on if you're eric stoltzer <laughs> Tom Hanks, you know where to find us on those DMs if you happen to be listening to this episode. We love you so much. Um, thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed it. We would love to hear um, what you think of Michael J. Fox, Eric Stoltz, or otherwise at um, Crush Fictionally. Thanks for joining, and thank you to our lovely uh, uh, composer, uh, Edith Mudge, who does all the music on this podcast, and we have artwork from Rose Fiduck. And then we also are produced by the lovely Peter Burns. Guys, I'm Kimberly Trung. And I'm Michelle Veray. And remember, other than 1.21 gigawatts, to love yourself. Because your love is real. Thanks, guys.